Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Joe. It's so good to be here with you this morning and unpack God's word with you. If you have your Bibles with you, will you uh, open them up to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Man, I've just got a marker in my Bible. All right, there you see the little pink thing sticking out. Um, because we're going to be here for a couple of months, all right? We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. So I just suggest if you've got your Bibles with you, just put a marker in there for next week, um, because just make it quick and easy uh, to get there. All right, Matthew 5, uh, verses 1 to 5, it goes like this. Talking about Jesus here, he says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Was Mark was talking about this morning, wanting Jesus. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And today's beatitude in which we're going to be looking at, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning just desiring to hear from you. Lord, we, we're not here to hear me. We want to hear from God. And so, Lord, I pray you would stir up a deep desire in our hearts for more of Jesus this morning. Lord, that we would want you, that we would pursue you, that our eyes would be fixed on Christ. And Lord, as we talk about meekness this morning and the challenge that's going to come with that, will you please just soften our hearts? Would we look at ourselves less? Would we take ourselves less seriously and, and look to Christ? Lord, this is going to be a challenge and something that's going to be a struggle for the rest of our lives. But I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit in us that we might become more like Christ for the glory of your kingdom. Would you help us here, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I have to be a little bit vulnerable with you. Um, as we start off this series, uh, and well, particularly as we talk on meekness, I must admit I am probably one of the least qualified to speak about it. When it comes to meekness, I'm not, I haven't quite got it right. So this morning I don't stand here and preach from a place of authority because I have any experience or I know how to do it. So look at me and, and you'll see what meekness looks like. I can't even pretend to do that because my wife sits here and she will tell you that's not the truth. And my mother and my stepfather sit here and they will tell you that that's not the truth. Because I don't know about you, but when you feel that you have uh, been unjustly treated or been wronged or what you deserve is not given to you, what I do is I run to those closest to me and I let them know all about it. And so they have had their ears chewed off before as I have come and told them those things. So if there's any boldness in which I speak through this morning, it's not because I am experienced in it, but church rather because I feel that this is what God wants us to hear. And so I come humbly before you saying, I haven't got this, but I am convinced this is what Jesus wants us for as a church. If we are going to hunger and thirst for more of Christ, meekness needs to be a part of our hearts. It needs to be a part of our lives. And Christ wants us to hear this as a church, to be meek, to be meek. So as we approach this uh, beatitude of meekness, we need to remember that what has gone on before really applies to this. We need to be reminded of what poor in spirit is. 
We've spoken about it quite in length over the last two weeks. But being poor in spirit is seeing that we are completely, desperately in need of God. That we bring nothing to the table. That there is no value in us which attracts a God to us. When he looks at us, he sees nothing of value. And when we are poor in spirit, we realize that. Man, I am a miserable sinner. I am sinful. And we said that poor in spirit is not financially poor, but rather it is a spiritual thing. But there are some links between the two. Just as when you are financially poor, man, you are in absolute need of someone's help. You are in need of something. You're honest about your situation because if you're going to get help from anyone, you have to be honest. You have to tell them. You have to show it. And, and you're incompletely uh, uh, dependent on someone to be generous to you. And so being spiritually poor is the same. We are in need of God. We are in need of Him. We have to, when we are poor in spirit, be honest about our situations. Not deny it, not pretend anything else, but we have to be completely honest about it. And we are completely dependent on Jesus. We are dependent on Him for our salvation. We are dependent on Him for our hope. We are dependent on Him for our joy. Everything that we have, we are dependent on. This means to be poor in spirit. And this leads on to the second beatitude of mourning. Once we realize who we are in light of the holiness of God, not looking at others, but looking at God and saying, man, I have fallen short of what he is. Then we mourn that. And we spoke about this last week. This mourning is not just a feeling, but it's a repentance. A repentance that results in actions. Remember, we spoke about Judas and Peter. We said Judas, the word that was used for him was one of a mourn. He was repented in a sense, but it was a, a feeling only that resulted in what? Self-destruction, self-despair that he would lead to kill himself. But when we look at Peter, while he wept when he denied Jesus, there was a repentance that took place, an action that was him returning to Christ. And so when we realize our sin, it's not man just feeling bad about it, but it's repenting that results in an action. But we spoke about that amazing comfort that we have. For those of us who realize the depth of our sin, we realize that man, actually when we are saved in Christ, there is a hope. That I am a new creation, that I am a son and daughter in, of the living God, that I am the, uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that I am holy and righteous, that I'm a holy priesthood. This is now what God looks at me and calls me. I'm not confident in myself, but I am, I am something in Christ. And that's our comfort that we have. And so when we have processed these, and when we have come to this place of repentance of, man, I, am, I bring nothing, Lord. What results in that is a start to become meek. Meekness. And church, what we're going to realize this morning is that meekness, and here on out, they get tougher and tougher. Tougher, tougher, and tougherest. If you watch the Toyota Hilux ads, it gets more and more difficult. Why is this more difficult than the ones that have gone on before? Because, man, while it was difficult to come to a conclusion, it's hard to let go of our pride, it's not, and come to a conclusion that we are all poor in spirit. It might be difficult to go, okay, fine, I am sinful. While it is not great to mourn and repent, repenting is difficult. Laying aside, changing our minds, changing the way we think is difficult. It is still me talking about me. But today, what we're going to look at with meekness is really a result of how we respond to other people. 
how others, how do we respond when somebody else says, man, you're a sinner? That is what meekness is. That is the point that we're talking about. And it is hard. It is tough. John Stott. If you don't know who John Stott is, he is an incredible author. He was. He, he died in his late 19s just a couple of years ago. 2013, I think. Um, he was an incredible man. He, he known mainly for writing books and writing commentaries. He decided that he would not get married because um, he uh, could not do more for the kingdom. If he was married, he realized, man, what's going to happen is I'm going to be distracted. Not distracted, that's not the right word. I have to look after and rightfully do so my wife. But if I don't have a wife, man, I can do more for the kingdom. And so he decided to be celibate and not get married so he could do more for the kingdom. Now that's a saint right there. That is a man of God right there. And yet, discussing this idea of meekness and how difficult it is, he makes this uh, uh, comment about how tough it is. He says, I myself am quite happy to recite the general confession in church and call myself a miserable sinner. it, It causes me no great problem. I take it in my stride. This is saying, man, I understand that I'm poor in spirit. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to call myself that. But he says, but somebody else come up after me after church and call me a miserable sinner and I want to punch him on the nose. It's true. We don't mind it when we say, I'm sinful. I don't mind it, but don't you dare call me that. Don't you call me out on my sin. Don't you say I'm horrible. But poor in spirit, say, I'm the worst. But you come and say the worst, man, I'm going to clap you. Not because I don't want it. I hit you. And we react. And so being poor in uh, becoming meek is how do we respond to those situations? How do we respond in meekness when somebody else calls us or does something to us that we feel we do not deserve? How do we do that? Meekness is a rare thing, church. We can't find it in the world. Why? Because you need to be poor in spirit and mourned and repented in order to get to this point. So we do not see it anywhere else other than in the church. But I'm sad to say, and I, I'm a living example of it, that meekness is rare. Not that I have it. I explained that I'm, I'm an example of it not being there all the time. Meekness is rare. So where do we go to find examples of, man, we need to go to the scripture. And we look in the Old Testament, we see three examples, great examples of meekness. We see Abraham. Abraham was a man who was meek, particularly when we see his response uh, to Lot. If you might remember, Lot was his, his nephew. They have uh, cattle, and their, the amount of, uh, their, their, their livelihood is mixing up. It's, they've got way too much. They can't be together. They need to split their way. And Lot, being his nephew, the youngest of the Lot, decides and makes the best pick. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go near Sodom and Gomorrah because that's where the best fields are. And what does Abraham do? Does he kick up a fuss? Does he complain that he has to go to the hilly country, which is not great? No, he just accepts it. There's an example of meekness right there. We see it with Moses. Exodus actually says that Moses was the most meek person on all the earth. He was a meek man. He, he had led Egypt, uh, Israel out of Egypt. He had done these amazing plagues, uh, uh, been used by God to get these amazing plagues to, to remove them out of the strongest nation in the world. He's done these amazing things. He leads them out into the wilderness as they're off to the promised land as he's their, as their leader. And three days into it, we know that they start to complain. And they do that for the whole time they're in the wilderness. When things don't go right, where they go? They go to Moses and they say, Moses, you've led us here to die. You've done this on purpose. We were better off. Why did you do that? What does Moses do? Does he go, no, this is not me. 
I'm not like that. You talk to God. No, he falls flat down on his face. And he, he says, Lord, the people are complaining. They're hungry and thirsty. Give them what they want. Meekness. Meekness in that. We see occasions with David. Meekness as well. David, from a, a young man, knew that he was going to be king. He was told, you will be the next king. He was anointed as king, yet he did not become king for years and years. In fact, he served the king in which he knew he was meant to replace, which was his rightful position was that king. And Saul, being the king in charge at that time, attacks him, tries to kill him multiple times to point that David is fleeing, and he finds himself in a cave, Saul sleeping between at his feet, and he can take his life, but he will not. Meekness. Example of meekness we see in occasions with David. He doesn't show it all the time, but there's certainly occasions where he shows it. We see it in the New Testament as well. We see Stephen. Man, you just have to read Acts and come along to the guy named Stephen. Amazing. Just he never calls him meek, but you just see it in the action. You feel it when you read about him. He stands up boldly to the chief priests, to the, the Sanhedrins, and he tells them the gospel. He does not back down whatsoever. He tells them it. But when they stone him to death because he has stood up for the gospel, as he served others, as he's done miracles for Christ, he stands and looks into heaven and does not curse them, but says, I see Christ sitting on his throne, face shining like an angel, it says. We see it with Paul. We don't often think Paul is a meek person. But man, Paul had to deal with the hardships of of outsiders of the church persecuted him mocked him we see particularly with the church of corinthians they say some nasty things about paul they 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 call him names they they spread gossips about him yet when he's seen his epistle when he writes to them he writes in gentleness and love wanting to correct them gently but loving them there's meekness in what he says there's meekness there but the greatest example of meekness, and we'll discuss it a little bit more, is Christ, our Savior. Man, is there anything more meek than the God of all creation, the God of the universe, who's all-powerful, all-strong, yet coming to earth to die for others? Counting himself, doesn't count anything to, counting equality with God, not something to be grasped. Forsaking that, leaving that aside for you and I. Meekness is seen in Christ. And when we look at these characters, we start to see a couple of things that meekness is. We see some things and we can define what meekness is. I want to start with what meekness isn't. Firstly, when we look at these guys, we see that meekness isn't natural. We, sometimes we have the tendency to push aside meekness and go, Joe, that's just not part of my personality. It might be for somebody else. But for me, the position I find myself in, the place of authority that I am in, the, the person that I am, meekness is just not part of it. It's for somebody else. But when we look at this, we see that it is for everyone. Regardless of your skill, your position, your authority, your calling, your character, your personalities, the tendencies in which you have, meekness is a call for everyone. Remember, we are talking about uh, uh, the Sermon of the Mount as being disciples of Christ, those who desire and follow Jesus. So if you are a Christian, meekness is something in which you are called to. And it's not just this weak place you're in. Meekness is not weakness. We'll talk about that a little later. But we, we see that meekness is for, compatible with power and authority. Man, David, a young boy, he, he kills bears, lions, and Goliath. 
He becomes the king in which all kings will be compared to afterwards because he was so great. Yet he displays meekness, power and authority. Paul, mastermind, incredible man of God, in the most amazing ministry that anyone else has ever had. He does more for the kingdom and the gospel than anyone else. And yet, meekness. It's compatible with power and authority. We see this with the martyrs. Man, standing up for what they are. Stephen stood up for the St. Hendred, stood up for the truth, bold, courageous, yet meek. It's compatible with power and authority. And as I said a little earlier, meekness is not weakness. It sounds like a hashtag right there. Meekness is not weakness. Could we start a rap here? And D.A. Carson puts it like this. this. I love the imagery he uses, the words that he uses. Man, he says, it must not, this is meekness, it must not be confused with being wishy-washy. I love the word, wishy-washy. A weak person is not necessarily indecisive or timid. He is, not unsure of, he is not so unsure of himself that he could be pushed over by a hard slap of a wet noodle. That is awesome. <laughs> still, less meekness, uh, still less is meekness to be confused with mere friendliness. Man, we get that confused all the time. Some people are naturally nice and easygoing, but here it comes. But then again, so are some dogs. Yeah, it's tough, eh? Meekness goes much deeper than that. Man, challenging here. Meekness is not just mere peacekeeping. We talk about peacemaking in the Beatitudes to come, but it's not just mere peacekeeping. It's not a place in which we compromise on truth and value. Where, oh, let's just be friends. So let's come to a place where we both agree. That might be some cases, but it's not. When it comes to truth, we stand firm. It's not about just all being friendly and nice with one another. That is not meekness. That's not meekness. As I said, meekness is compatible with great strength. It's strong. It is bold. And yet we can still be meek. But what are we bold for? What are we bold about? Man, we're bold for the truth. We stand firm. We do not compromise. We are there. We stand for what God has given us to stand for. What is meekness then? What is it? Actually, sorry, one more, what it isn't. It isn't just an outward appearance. This is tough. Mark laughs at me regularly because I'm very bad at keeping my inwards in. I show my outwardness quite easily on my face. I'm a, I would be a horrible poker player. If you ever want to take all my money, that's how we go, okay? I just show my emotions on my face. But the challenge for me is this, is that I mustn't just improve my outward face. I mustn't just improve on how I can be nice without you realizing that I'm actually frustrated. Meekness is not just being good in action, but it's changing our feelings. It's very the inner depth of who we are and the way we respond to it. This is the challenge of it. It's not just looking meek, it's actually being meek. It's very tough. So what is meekness then? Martin Lloyd-Jones sums it up like this. He says, meekness is essentially a true view of oneself, expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. It is therefore two things. It's an attitude toward myself, and it's an expression of that relationship to others. So it's that poor in spirit, the attitude toward myself. Man, I am sinful. 
I am nothing. I bring nothing to the point. Lord, I do not deserve anything of you. I have of no value before you. And having that feeling towards myself, this poor in spirit, this mourning repenting of that, it results in the action towards others. That when others treat me like I don't deserve anything, I realize I don't. I have no value. So it's not this prideful thing of I deserve this. This is my right. This is my privilege. This is my calling. This is my possession. Therefore, I will stand for it and fight for it because it's all about me, 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 me. It's not these things. And the list of what meekness is goes on and on. It's not defensive. It's not watching yourself in your interests. It's no longer, uh, it means no longer protecting yourself because there's nothing worth protecting. Man, I am challenged by this church challenged and it can be summed up like this says Martin Lloyd-Jones a man who is truly meek is one who is amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do and so we have this tension of being bold and courageous of who we are in Christ that comfort that we spoke about last week but also not coming along and being meek it's this standing forth and protecting the church, extending the kingdom, telling the truth, living for God, making sure that he gets all the glory, that we are bold, powerful, and in authority. We stand up for this. But when it comes to me, when it comes to myself, man, it's fine. Isn't that challenging? Isn't it tough? When people attack you personally, you just go, okay, man, that's actually better than who I am. You want to take away my rights? I'm not going to argue. But when it comes to the kingdom and what God has set for me and where he has called me, man, I'm bold. I stand up. I'm strong. I live for God. I'm, I'm competent. I work hard for him. I'm not a pushover. That's the tension that meekness comes in. Man, that's tough. I feel so. I, after preparing the sermon, I realized how actual poor in spirit I am. <laughs> I knew I was poor in spirit. But man, after this, I realize I've got so much more wrong with me than I thought. Because I am not meek. I am selfish. I protect my rights. I protect who I am. It's mine. I deserve it. No. I don't deserve anything. That's what poor in spirit is. And you result that out in how people treat me. So how do we become meek? How do we do this? Because remember, the Beatitudes particularly aren't law. The Sermon on the Mount isn't. But when you look at the Beatitudes, these aren't action plans in which the steps you can take. It's not like making a cup of coffee. Step one, turn on the kettle. Two, put in the coffee. Then the milk. Stir it. Put in, I don't have sugar, so no sugar in it. And then put in the boiling water. There's no steps to this. I can't give you an action plan of, this is the things that you need to do this week on the next five weeks so that you might have rock-hard abs. I can't do that. Not when it comes to meekness. It's not possible. Because remember, this is the outworking of the Spirit in us. Meekness is the Spirit working in us. So how do we allow that to happen so that we might become more like Christ? Man, we need to turn to Jesus. We need to desire Him Leave the crowd, see the mountain, and pursue him. Pursuing Christ, church, is how we become meek. Because the Spirit molds us 
and shapes us into the person that we are pursuing, Jesus. As I said earlier, Jesus is meek. He is meek. He says, these, one of the, the most famous passages in Matthew, Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, we've preached on it before. He says, come to me. You see that invitation there? Come. So this pursuing Christ and coming after him is not something he doesn't want to do. He's saying, come, follow me up this mountain. Come to me. Who, who must he come to him? All who are weak or all who are weary and burdened. All who are weak and heavy laden. Aren't you weary? Aren't you burdened? Aren't you weary about all the things that people say to you? Isn't it just heavy on you? Isn't trying to live up to the standard of the world and those around us difficult? Isn't it just burdensome? Taking offense to what people say, isn't that burdensome to you? It's certainly to me. I take it way too seriously. Jesus says, come to me if you're meek. I mean, if you are weary, come. Come to me and what? I will give you rest. Why? Why will he? He says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So we come to a God who understands meekness. We spoke about it a little earlier. Man, we see the meekness of Christ in, the, in His coming. We see that He comes and He's meek. Gives it all up to come for you and I. And that wasn't it. That, didn't, that meekness did not end there. His ministry in, involved Him being rejected by those whom He came to save. Seating 1 John, there were those who were His rejected Him. John 1, sorry. Man, we, we see that the, the trial of Jesus as well. He stands there being arrested in the middle of the night, which was illegal. Taken off to have trial, which was illegal in the middle of the night. And when he stands there, falsely accusing him of things that he, he did that he did not do. Say things he did not say so that they might kill him. And yet when given the chance to respond, Jesus does not. He keeps quiet. Are you the king? You say who? I am who you say I am. He keeps quiet. He gets led off to the cross where he is stripped naked and bare, where he has already been beaten beyond recognition, nailed to the cross so that he might die there. And those who killed him say, save yourself, even though he was saving them. And while they mocked him and gambled for his clothes in front of him, he does not curse them or say, just wait and see. I'm coming back. I'm coming back with the sword in my mouth and you will be judged. He does not. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Meekness. And so we can come to this Jesus because he is meek. He is meek. And we can learn from him. And we can understand him. And we can become meek ourselves. And you know what the result of that? It is rest. You know what's so strange about meekness is that it's tough. It's difficult. Man, it is hard not taking offense for ourselves and not fighting for who we are. But the result of it is something beautiful. It's rest. It's rest. Rest for our souls. Contentment with who we are in Christ. Contempt that we are his sons and daughters. Contempt that I am this in Jesus, but in and of myself, I deserve nothing. Nothing. 
And we see the, the blessing side of this comes right out of that. That those who are meek will inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. This is, this is now part of it now. That we are told in, in uh, one, I think it's 1 Corinthians 3. It could be, or 2 Corinthians 3. I'm sorry, I should have double-checked that. But 3, 21 to 23 talks about how everything is ours. Not in this prosperity sense, but because we are in Christ and everything is His and He's the Father and everything is His. All of it's ours already. So there's this contentment, you know, and you can take it all away, but it's Christ and it is actually mine. It's this now part knowing that God uses all things for the good of those who love Him. So though I suffer, those through I go through difficult things, God's going to use this for good. But it is mainly a future aspect. We will inherit the earth is mainly a future aspect. And church, our as a general, and I don't want to just talk about us, but as a general, the church has a poor doctrine on heaven. Man, we understand it poorly. We think that we're going to go sit in the clouds, play some harps, and be in a choir for the rest of our lives. That sounds awful. But we're told in Revelations that there is a new heaven and a new earth. A new earth. Like this one. Just better. With no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain anymore. We discussed that last week. This is waiting for us. There's the, the new earth in which we're going to have. My grandfather, if he was here, he would love this. He, there's this new earth in which is coming. We see in Revelations 21 that the new Jerusalem comes from heaven down onto this earth. This is where we're going to be. And we're going to inherit it. It's going to be ours. Why? Because we had a meek Savior who came and died for us. And he's coming to rule again. And those of us who are in him, we will inherit it because he has given it to us. Isn't that incredible? We are going to be like kings. We are going to inherit the earth when Christ comes again because we had a savior who was meek. And so church, we have this massive challenge before us. To be meek. To be meek. That we are bold for the gospel. We are bold for the kingdom. We are bold to protect the bride of Christ. But when it comes to me personally, I'm not worried to lay that aside. And in that, when we come to Christ to, to find that rest, to lay aside the burdens of what the world thinks about, when we do that, we find rest for our souls. Isn't that incredible? And somehow, out of the graciousness of God, He blesses us with the whole earth. <laughs> he blesses us with that. And if you're like me, you might be challenged this morning. But I want you to remind you of what I said in the very first sermon. That these, when we started the series, that these are blessings, not curses. Do not feel cursed this morning. Strive for this because there's blessing in this. Blessed are those. He doesn't say cursed are those. Blessed are those. There's blessing waiting for us, church. There's blessing waiting for us as we strive for Christ and as we try to deal with these in our lives. I'm going to leave it there. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning just <laughs> aware, Lord, of our lack of meekness. 
But Lord, we are so grateful that you are meek. We're so grateful that our Savior is meek. That you came and you died for us. So that we might know you. That the kingdom of heaven might be ours. That we might be comforted and we would inherit the earth. And Lord, I pray for each and every single one of us that this would not just be words that we hear, but, but something that we desire. That we would want Christ. That we would look at that mountain and see you there and say, Lord, I am coming for I want you. Holy Spirit, pour out and fill us and create this desire in us for more and more of Jesus. Help us to have a, a heart for you, Lord, that we would love you and that we would stand firm and boldly to make sure that your kingdom is extended, that we stand firmly and boldly for your bride, that we would stand firmly and boldly for the truth about you. But Lord, let us love you so much that we don't have time to love ourselves. That Lord, we would not be prideful. That we would not care about our own rights. That Lord, that we would be bold but yet meek. Like the martyrs were. Like you were. Help us to become like you. Help us to approach you. Help us to be meek so that we might find rest for our souls, we pray. Ask us in Jesus' name. Amen.